800 AM and 94.9 FM KINY Juno from the Alaska Airlines Studio. Local first. Now, News of the North. I'm Jordan Lewis, and these are the stories we're following this hour. For local sports, the Juno Douglas High School girls basketball team faced off against the Ketchikan Lady Kings. The Juno Douglas High School hockey team faced off against Homer at Treadwell Arena, and the Supreme Court on Monday rejected a bid to revive the Bristol Bay's Pebble Mine. But first, with only seven seconds to go in the last quarter Saturday night, the Juno Douglas Yadatkale High School girls basketball team, the Crimson Bears, and the Ketchikan Lady Kings were 43 to 40. It was a fast-paced and aggressive game from the beginning, and ultimately the Bears took the victory 45 to 40. JDHS senior Raina Tuckwood, number four, says this is what was going through her head in those final moments. I think we're all just kind of looking at each other on the court and we're like, we just need to stay calm. Just This has happened before. We've all played before. We've all played in very close games and with little time left. And we're like, just slow it down. Just work together. JDHS senior Chloe Casperson, number 11, says no matter what point they're in at the game, she keeps her eye on the ball. Be smart with the ball. Hold on to it. No stupid passes. <laughs> JDHS sophomore Gwen Nizek, number 15, finished the game with the highest score for her team at 22 points. She shares what the team's strengths are. We've been working on our communication. I think that we are definitely uh, working well tonight with uh, communicating over screens, switching on defense. So communication is key. Head coach Tanya Isaac says that Ketchikan is a common opponent, and on Saturday night, both teams took it to that next fierce level. You know, these are teams that we see very often uh, throughout our season, um, many times, and and we know that that one night can be favorable to one of us, and and the next night it could be a completely different ball game as far as just hardworking, uh, getting on the ground, getting loose balls, being scrappy, and we knew that Ketchikan would definitely pick up their tempo. A public celebration of life for former JDHS coach George Houston will be held tonight at JDHS from 5 to 7 p.m. He coached JDHS basketball for 32 years. If someone is unable to make the event in person, they can tune in to KINY. The Juno Douglas High School Yadatkale hockey team faced Homer this weekend at Treadwell Arena. Friday's night's game saw JDHS win 16-0, and Saturday night's game was another victory, 13-0. Crimson Bears head coach Matt Boleyn says the team's objective was to get more players out on the ice who haven't had the chance before. Five kids played their first varsity game this weekend. A lot of them scored their first varsity goal or, you know, got on the score sheet. Like Drew McAdoo tonight was the first star of the game, and he had two goals, two assists in his second game ever. So, you know, it's a good opportunity for him. For the rest of the team, like the regulars, the message is usually just, like, keep it simple and, and keep playing it right. You know, whenever we have the puck in the slot, we're going to shoot it. We're going to crash the net, go for the rebounds, and just play hockey. You know, there's a little bit of, like, you start to feel bad a little bit, like scoring goals, but at the same time, it's almost a little disrespectful to the game if you don't. Now the Crimson Bears prep to face Houston on Senior Night Weekend, January 26th and 27th, which are their last home games of the season. I believe we played Houston on Senior Night three, maybe three out of the last four years. Um, you know, the last time I can recall playing them, I can't remember if we played them last year on Senior Night or not, but the time before that, um, we went into overtime and it was a, it was a 
pretty big upset. They were quite a bit better than us that year, and and uh, we were hoping to try to reignite some of that same senior night feelings. Some of these kids that are seniors now were sophomores then, and they were on the ice, and they remember it very well, and some of them got injured in that weekend that are seniors now, so they want a little redemption. Mariners head coach Steve Nevax says that Homer's team is rebuilding. They have a lot of first-time players, and their community's smaller now. He's hoping Homer's large seventh-grade class will want to play hockey once they hit high school. He says it's been a rewarding experience to work with the new team. Our message on the bench is, is to stay positive. It got away from us a little bit today, which you know was frustrating for me personally. But you know, you just go back in, and we knew this was going to be the outcome. Okay, our goalie was brand new. He didn't put on skates before this season at all, never been on ice. And our starting goalies, you know, off on holiday somewhere. You know, we knew, we knew this was going to be an outcome, especially a team like Juno. They're, they're always good. And the Supreme Court on Monday rejected Alaska's bid to revive a proposed copper and gold mine that was blocked by the Environmental Protection Agency. The justices did not comment in turning away the state's attempts to sue the Biden administration directly in the high court over its desire to revive the proposed pebble mine in the state's Bristol Bay region. A year ago, the EPA stopped the mine proposal, citing concerns with potential impacts on a rich aquatic ecosystem that supports the world's largest sockeye salmon fishery. States can sue each other and the federal government in the Supreme Court, though the justices typically deal with appeals and hear only a few original cases each year. Alaska can still try to reverse the decision through the more typical process, starting in a lower court and appealing any unfavorable decisions to the Supreme Court. The Juno Pro-Choice Coalition is organizing their annual film festival for, by, and about women on Friday, January 19th at Centennial Hall. Doors will open at 5.30 p.m. This year is a little different because LunaFest is no longer happening after the Luna Bar Company sold. LunaFest featured a selection of short films. It's JPCC's biggest fundraiser of the year, so they decided to make it their own, renaming it Choice Fest. Colette Costa of Goldtown Nickelodeon suggested they look on Women Make Movies. Board member Amy Keston gives a preview of a couple of films. You know, there's a contemporary one about an, an abortion helpline, and that film is 13 minutes. It's been to the Cannes Film Fest. A lot, a lot of these are, have been at other film fests, and that's how also I chose them, because they already were films that people thought were very, you know, powerful, had a, were poignant, had a good message. One we're going to go with is about um, sexual assault and trauma and how those experience intersect with race, class, and sexual orientation, and that's it's actually our longest film of 38 minutes. Last year's film festival was their biggest turnout of the year. The funds raised from Choice Fest will go towards a political action committee or the JPC organization in general. JPCC's mission is to promote awareness on women's health issues. Other organizations will also have tables at the event, such as Planned Parenthood and CELA. Lorraine Jones has been part of JPCC for the past 25 years and is a co-treasurer. She says she thinks that overturning of Roe v. Wade has led more people to participate. I think it has been a huge influence on uh, women and the whole idea of choice, yes. So it's something that the Juno Pro-Choice Coalition has been working on for years. So one of the things, we have a political action arm that actually raises money and gives to candidates survey via questionnaire all of the candidates and put out a postcard each year of those that are pro-choice. And right now in Juneau, our entire delegation is pro-choice and our assembly. 
She says the event is held as close to the anniversary of Roe v. Wade's original passing date every year. JPCC's event will also feature a speaker, Alex Curtin, who is a local provider at the Juno Women's Clinic. Keston is the lead on their silent auction. She gives a sneak peek of what will be up for bidding. Dr. Emily Kane, she is donating a, an appointment where she will do a nutrition and blood work appointment. So she'll be talking to somebody can bid on that as something they'd like to go do. I'm going to be picking up something today from a new shop. She does a lot of women's art and she's donating two pieces of art. Devil's Club Brewery is donating. Jan Nardone, the Changing Tides Fabric Shop, she's been a donor for years. So we have a lot of repeat donors, like I said, and people are really su- you know, supportive of this. Pavitz usually donates a month exercise. And actually one of our new donors, because I was walking around downtown, and I stopped. It was the gal who owns Juno Compost. Lauren Jones, LaRae's husband, will be offering his famous dinner for six. Popcorn, soda, and a dessert auction will be available to enjoy during the films for the first time. JPCC is still looking for dessert and silent auction items. You can call 586-1112 for desserts and 957-1207 for silent auction items. Tickets are available online at junochoice.com. The NTSB is investigating how a door plug flew off a plane while in flight Friday evening, causing the FAA to ground all Boeing 737 MAX 9 planes for inspection. AP correspondent Julie Walker reports. The Alaska Airlines plane turned around shortly after takeoff, making an emergency landing at Portland Airport. Elizabeth Lee was one of 177 aboard. She spoke with KGW. Or like a boom, and I look up and the air masks are like out popped down and I look to my left and there's just this huge like gaping hole. NTSB Chair Jennifer Hammondy says headrests and part of a seatback were missing from 25 and 26A and there were clothes strewn about. We could have end up with, ended up with something so much more tragic. She says Boeing 737 MAX 9s have extra emergency exits, but airlines with fewer seats can plug those doors and the NTSB is investigating what happened with this door plug. I'm Julie Walker. That door plug has since been found. And Capital City Fire Rescue was on the scene at the Mendenhall Towers early Sunday morning in response to an apartment fire on the second floor. CCFR posted the following information on its Facebook page. The sprinkler system was activated, but the initial fire crew were the ones that put the fire out. There was heavy smoke on the second floor. No fire extended outside of the apartment, and the smoke was confined to that second floor. One civilian was transported to the hospital for smoke inhalation. The Red Cross was notified to help out with any displaced occupants and CCFR is currently investigating the cause of the fire and the damage was contained to one apartment unit. With the fire and mostly water damage on the second floor and below, $100,000 is the estimate for damages. CCFR has been reached out to for additional information. Now you're up to date with News of the North. I'm Jordan Lewis. For continuous updates, visit our website, kinyradio.com.